Also today, we will uh, we, uh, we, we collect an offering, uh, as uh, not, not so much in the past where we used to pass the trays, but there is a box on the back if you would uh, like to contribute uh, to the ministry here. If you came and want to give but didn't become prepared to give, you can use our secure online portal at cchmd.com slash give, and uh, you can uh, use that and, and follow all the links in that there. If you would at some point during today's service, pull out your phone and go to our connection page at cchmd.com slash connect. Usually it's up on the screen. But our sermon slides are a bit different today. So cchmd.com slash connect. You can go there, fill out the connection card. Let us know where you're viewing us from, whether here in the house or at home. Uh, we are glad that you, like I said earlier, I'm, we're glad that you've taken time uh, today to join us. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the ministers here. Today we have a, a special guest. Uh, we, about a, we, we, were, we were talking yesterday. It, it, it was at the end of uh, 2020, and as we, kind of as we we're coming into uh, and, and kind of through uh, that, that, that early COVID stage, uh, we were looking at like how can we. Uh, grow and do better as a church, how we can be a healthier church, a church that impacts our community better. And we tried this and we tried that. And at some point, you, you, know, you, you think, you know, if it's, if it's not this, if it's not that, it might be you. Have you ever been in that situation? And so I was thinking, well, maybe it's me. And so one of the uh, organizations that we partner with is a group called Waypoint Church Services. And uh, uh, they, they're they most known for planting churches uh, throughout Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic area. Uh, they now range from South Carolina all the way up, I think, into Delaware, I think, uh, in Pennsylvania. And so um, they, they do a lot of stuff for new church work, but they also uh, church, establish churches. They want to help them grow and stay on mission as well. And so uh, we've had them come out and do some things. They just... Uh, a, a, a site survey that looked at our building and they're like, man, your building is beautiful. It's, it's great. It's, you know, you know, beautiful location, uh, you know, great bones, everything throughout. They, they came out and did a, a secret shopper thing. And so one, one of their guys came out and looked at our service like, man, your service is great. You know, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, good, this good, that why aren't we seeing the impact? And so it's like, well, maybe it's me. And so one of the things that they do, they do is they offer a pastoral coaching. And so I was like, Hey, um, I probably, maybe I need some of that. And so they put me in contact with a man named Brian Orohood. And uh, since at the end of 2020, we've been talking and doing this and doing a little bit of that. And uh, he, he's had some health stuff. We both had some tragedy in our families over that time. And so uh, this has been like, as some of the kids on the way in today, this weekend has been like a year in the making. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike, for, for that introduction. Um, I have been using, uh, kind of forced into retirement a year ago because of health situation, but I've been able to be involved with helping churches, uh, whether it's empowering leadership, as Mike and I have been connected together and, and kind of coaching him along, and then to get to this point, we're hopefully enthused this church. Um, today, you're going to have, uh, there's a cross-section of you have been asked to come and complete a survey after the lunch. And uh, I want to share with you the just sort of an overview of the eight characteristics that this survey is going to, to look at. Uh, there are eight characteristics in Scripture that we find that churches are to be able to exhibit and demonstrate to others. And, um, and it's exciting when you begin to really uh, dig down and find out how you're doing with each of these characteristics and how we can improve them. Yesterday, I got to spend about two and a half, three hours with a team of people that are going to be the church health team. Um, there's, they will be looking at, uh, where this church is, where it possibly can be, and they're going to be able to make some 
some improvements. Um, this is not a program. It's a process. And because it is a process, it just takes some time, but it also does make a tremendous difference. Let me make sure that I can get, uh, get us clicked. All right. Thank you, sir. Did I? I thought I turned it on. I saw the green. Look at that. Man, what would they think of next? I feel really stupid. It's not like I'm an idiot when it comes to electronics, but with your handed new stuff all the time. Plus, you sort of get, I don't know if you guys have like the Google Home or Alexa or Siri. I somehow ended up with all three. So I've got Siri on my phone. I've got Alexa on a speaker of all places in the bathroom, and then Google's in the main room. And I got mad the other day. I mean, I was, I was saying, I, I was really upset trying to get Google. All I wanted was the temperature. And I kept saying, Google, hey, Google, what's the temperature? And, and she wouldn't answer me. And I'm thinking, listen, I could take that from one woman in this house, but I'm not having two women in this house give me a tough time. So I'm just yelling at this thing, hey, you know, this and that. Uh, I, I was what I was. I, I thought I was saying, hey, Google, but I forgot what room. So I was saying, really, Alexa. And so I get them all confused. So I'm like, Alexa, what's the temperature? And then, and I thought, this is so stupid. How in the world? I mean, I'm, up, I'm upset now because I had an argument with, a, with my uh, home Google. But um, I, I, I want to take some time today and just give you a quick brief overview of each of these characteristics and the quality each one of these characteristics has to exhibit. But I want to make sure that it's a personalized sermon to you. It is so easy to think in terms of the organization. Well, the church is going to do this. The church is going to do. And we exclude ourselves. You and I are the church. And this church is only going to be as strong as its weakest link. And we forget that. A water seeks its own level. And I have found over the years that if a church, let's say on a scale from one to 10, one's low, 10's the highest. And people want to know, well, what kind of, some people, oh, my church is okay, it's, but it's got this, I give it a five, or I give it a six, or some people, you know, they say my church is a 10. But here's one thing that I've learned. Wherever your church is, it is only going to be able to go as far as what the leadership does. You want to get a healthy church, you have to have healthy leaders, and those leaders need to stretch and grow and be able to also make sure they're fulfilling what scriptures told them they need to fulfill. So when I see a leadership that commits itself to go from a six this year to a seven, you have a church that's going to go from a five or six up, and it comes back to you and I. So I want to make sure as I share these things, you don't dismiss them like this is someone else's responsibility. You have a responsibility to make sure that these characteristics are evidenced in your own life, not just on an organizational level, but also on a personal level as well. So let's move along. Jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to talk about what is natural church development. That's the survey we're going to do today. And this natural church development gives us eight biblical characteristics 
tens of thousands of churches have been involved in the studies and the surveys to bring this together. It doesn't matter if the church is in the Southern Hemisphere or the Northern Hemisphere. It doesn't matter whether it is a Western church or, a, or a, an Asian church. If it is a church committed to Jesus Christ, these eight characteristics are evidenced in healthy churches. In unhealthy churches, one or more of these characteristics are not, are not seen. And so let's talk now about these different characteristics that we find. This is going to be 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For, what I, want, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So this first scripture leads us to a characteristic. Now, I refer to it as a friendship, sort of a friendship system, but what it is specifically is need-oriented evangelism. All churches are to have evangelism both in a corporate level and a personal level. Each of you, none of us is off the hook to share our faith with someone else. But evangelism to be effective in 2023, it's got to do the same thing it did all the way back to the time of Apostle Paul. It has to be need-oriented. If somebody was weak, he, he searched to meet that need. If they were strong, if they, it didn't matter. He says here... Um, I try to find common ground with everyone. Yes, all churches claim to have evangelism, but unless it's need-oriented and not only at, a, at all of us challenged, but each of us taking on that responsibility. So the, that's one of the things we're going to uncover, how this church is doing when it comes to need-oriented evangelism. Let's go on here. We're going to go over to Romans 12, 11 and 12. Romans 12, 11 and 12. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Well, the, what we're going to talk about is dealing with sort of the membership system of the church, more specifically, passionate spirituality. In that passage in Romans, we, I just read to you, um, it really is emphasizing passionate spirituality. Now, spirituality in a church is challenging each of you to read your Bible daily, to pray daily, and to worship daily. Um, we as Christians are to have not only the, 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 hand, the heart and the head of Jesus, but the hands and habits of Jesus as well. So our spirituality, yeah, I might read my Bible or I say a prayer before lunch or before dinner, and we sort of just do, do these, but the idea is be passionate about it. So we're going to find out as a church, are pretty much all of you consistently in the Word on a regular basis? Are you committed to pray or learn how to pray and begin to make that a strong suit of the congregation? So we're going to find out about this church. Is it passionate or we just go through the motions? Let's go to Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47. Now we're going to move on into, oh, there we are. 
We're going to look at the scripture, Act 2, 46 and 47. And as I read this to you, follow along. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes. Um, and it goes on for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great, great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, this passage of Scripture, what I'm dealing with is the discipleship system of your church and more specifically, holistic small groups. If you personally want to grow in Christ, you've got to be connected in a small group. That's the only place you can truly rub elbows, stretch, and study. Unfortunately, this type of format, if, if you had a question, you in a million years wouldn't say, wait a minute, preacher, let me ask you this or that. I, we were for fear. I, I would like if somebody interrupted me and said, could you clarify this or could you tell us more about this area? Because as, as a church, the small group system is your lifeline to really grow. And you, want to, you should want to grow. But the small groups to be really healthy have to be holistic, looking out for the whole person. Not just, not just how I am spiritually, but emotionally and relationally as well. This brings us into John 13, 34, and 35. Over in John chapter 13, look at that verse 34 and 35. So we're to have the characteristic of evangelism, but it needs to be need-oriented, the characteristic of spirituality, and we want that to be passionate. We want our small groups to be holistic. But in this passage of Scripture, in John 13, looking at this verse here, 34 and 35, this is what we find in this passage of Scripture. So now, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Churches are to be building relationships, but more specifically, they need to be loving relationships. Um, I have not had a church in the survey where, where the minimum factor or the low area was loving relationships, but I've read from other churches that have done this survey, and when that loving relationship is the low one, that's hard not to take that really personally. I mean, it's like, I thought we were loving. I thought we were friendly. I thought, but if it uncovers the fact that, no, we need to work on this area, this is a key area in church health. Then we go to 1 Peter 4.10. We go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And in this passage, we're going to be talking about the apprenticeship system, if you will. Uh, we're going to be looking at the fact that you need to have a gift-based ministry. Each of us in ministry using the gifts that we've had. 1 Peter 4.10 states it this way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Gift-based ministry, finding out if a majority of you are actually involved in ministry. And as we go on, we're going to look at Mark 2.27. And in Mark 2.27, it's an interesting one, and it deals with the stewardship system of the church, but more specifically, effective structures. 
So look at Mark 2, verse 27. Now, Mike and I have spent some time discussing what effective structures are in a church because it sounds odd that, that you need to focus on this. But my friends, if the church isn't organized or structured properly, people will fall through the gaps. Mark 2.27, Jesus said this, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. My point is, we sometimes build structures in the church, and they don't really do much to help anyone. And you have to ask yourself, why are we doing this? If the ministry doesn't work, get rid of it. Try something different. Do something uh, that's, that's new. But it has to be structured to some point. I mean, if you guys ever had vacation Bible school here, where you have, you know, 75, 100 kids showing up. Uh, are you going to structure those two hours together, or are you just going to fly by the seat of your pants? No. So uh, the whole church needs to be structured. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verse 16. We're going to move on here. We'll look at the worship system of the church. 1 Thessalonians 5. All right, here's what we find in this passage dealing with worship specifically inspiring worship. I don't know if you've noticed, there's a little bit of humidity in this room, and this, this Bible paper that they use in Bible, they'll just sort of sticks, and they want to ride back and forth. So it's, it, I feel bad because it looks like, hey, that preacher doesn't even know where First Thessalonians is. Look at that. Well, I've been back and forth. We're talking here inspiring worship, and we're looking at this passage in First Thessalonians 5, uh, starting in verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. We commit about one hour a week to public worship, but what do you do with the other 167 hours? That's where real inspiring worship service. The more you worship at home, the better this worship service can become. And then the last thing I just want to touch on is the fact that you not only have to have a worship system, but a leadership system as well. And we find in this passage, Ephesians 4.12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Specifically, the elders of the church are to prepare God's people for works of service. And what they do as a leadership system is they're empowering. It's hard for staff and elders to, in a church to realize it's not about doing it, it's about training others to do it and getting people involved. So we have all of these systems. We're going to take a good look at them today, where you stand as a church. But let me just really challenge each of you on a very personal level. This church isn't going to have anything happen if, if you all don't make a commitment to get your feet wet. Go over to Joshua chapter 3 for a moment. Go to Joshua chapter 3. In this passage, we're going to go down to, um, let's, let's look at verse 14. They are getting ready to cross over into the promised land, but they have to cross over the Jordan River, and the river's at flood stage. So this is going to be a difficult crossing. But God tells Joshua to tell the priest, take the Ark of the Covenant, have that go out before all of these several million people, and go have them step uh, up to the Jordan, and then ultimately into the Jordan. 
Because once they do that, the water will quit flowing. It'll stop like an invisible wall, we're told here. This is what it says. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away. What a miracle. That miracle was only possible when? When they got their feet wet. Go with me to another passage. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. We have, a, we have a, a military leader who has leprosy. Leprosy is a terrible disease because what happens is the nerve endings die. And because they die and you begin to lose um, feeling in your hands, a lot of times they'll injure their hand or burn their hand. And so then it becomes infected. It becomes so during this time period when anybody had leprosy, it was a terrible disease. And they had to be removed from the community. Here a guy in Scripture here in 2 Kings chapter 5 by the name of Naaman, this military leader. Naaman has leprosy. And some of his people say there's a prophet of God, the Israelite God, who might be able to help you. So Naaman goes to visit this prophet of God, and this prophet says, I'll help you go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be healed. But he didn't do it. The reason Naaman didn't do it, he was like, we have cleaner rivers in my country. Why would I use this nasty, dirty river in order? And he was also upset because he expected the prophet to come out and wave his hands and say some sort of a magical incantation, but he didn't do that. And so Naaman was disillusioned. And so let's look here in um, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13. Naaman's officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Go and wash and be cured. So verse 14. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. When did the miracle take place? When he was arguing about the river, when he was looking at the river, when he was complaining about the river, when did the miracle take place? When he walked into the water, when he got himself wet, that commitment. One other passage, go with Matthew 14, Matthew chapter 14. There's a storm going on, the boat's going up and down, and all of a sudden it's nighttime, the disciples look off in the distance and they see a sight that is incredible. It says in Matthew 14, 24, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they said, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, and he says, do not be afraid and take courage. I am here. Here we go. Brash Peter. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
Yes, come. Every time I hear this sermon, this is where I think we should stop and emphasize. And it says here, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Period. And just stop there. Let's focus on what he did. Have any of you ever walked on water? Have you tried to walk on water? No. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But Peter walked on water. But when I hear these sermons, this is what always gets on the next verse. And it does fit. I mean, it's in context, but it says, but when he saw, when Peter saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. So I hear sermon after sermon, we get to that and they get to that and say, when he took his eyes off Jesus, when he, when he looked at the problems rather than the, his savior, he started to sink. And then when he's thinking, it's like you and I, and I hear preachers say, it's like you and I, when we, when we lose sight of Jesus, that's when real problems come in. And they go, I, I, okay, yes, I've heard, I think, 217 sermons on this passage with that verse. But I like to stop where it says just this. Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. I did, let's focus on that for a minute. He walked on the water. He's not Jesus. He's not God in the flesh. He's just like you and me. He's a regular Joe. And he walked on the water. Okay, he did sink. I get that part. But I want to talk about at least that first minute and 17 seconds that he was on the water. That would have to have been amazing. I don't know what it would feel like for him, what physical sensation that he would have. I have absolutely no idea but I'm fascinated with the concept of walking on water. And he did it. He did it. That miracle only was possible when he went over the boat and his feet hit the water. Eight characteristics that this church needs to exhibit. It's not going to happen overnight, but I'm going to walk with you through this process. Eight characteristics, but the qualities of those characteristics are your responsibility. Organize the eight ministries, but the qualities fall on you. Organize evangelism, but you all make it need-oriented. Make sure there's spirituality, but make sure it's passionate as well. Have small groups, but they need to be holistic. The fellowship has to be loving. Ministry needs to be gift-based. You need to find your area. Stewardship needs to be uh, effective and have effective structures. Sometimes uh, most churches just fly by the seat of their pants. And then also we, not, we have inspiring worship services. Not just a worship service, but an inspiring worship service. I, am, I get so upset going to different churches where I enjoy the worship, but when you're sitting there, you can have, you're thinking, okay, it's 11, because somebody's getting ready to do the communion meditation. So once it starts, you're like, 11:17, And you know right away, nothing ever changes in the worship service. And so we just, we, we look and we're going, and then we're thinking, is that preacher ever going to stop? We have a meal coming up, don't we? Real miracles only happen when we get our feet wet. I want to tell you one quick story, and then we're gone. If you want to prepare, go to Ephesians 4. Have that ready. We're going to take a quick look at that. Ephesians chapter 4. 
All right, here's the story I'd like to share with you. I don't know how much you know geography. Most people, the, the idea of reading a map, nobody knows how to do that. You know you're in trouble when you're with someone, and they, if they do unfold a map, and they begin to start shifting it, <laughs> and you're going, you can't do that. It's not how a map works. And they, they're like, okay, we need to, their idea of turning left is now really turning right, and north has become south. It just always amazes me that we've lost that, that capability of, um, of, of having that map. But here's what I want you to picture. You have the United States. Uh, from your perspective, you have the East Coast. Over here, you have the West Coast. Way down here out in the Pacific Ocean is one of our, our states called Hawaii. And then up here, way up in the Northwest, above Canada, is one of our states called Alaska. Alaska has a chain of islands. You, can you picture in your mind how Alaska, that big, that big state, and those islands kind of curve down and out in the Pacific? Those are called the Aleutian Islands. In the Aleutian Islands, we, we as America, we own the Aleutian Islands up until you get to Little Diomede Island. That's ours. That's what, what we own. About one mile off the coast of Little Diomede is an island that's called Big Diomede, and that is in Russia. So there's, uh, there's less than a mile separating these two islands. Little Diomede, Big Diomede. But there's some weird weather stuff that happens right here. It's a lot of times the warm water will come up to the cold air or the cold water comes into the warm air. But in this section of the Aleutian Islands, it's foggy most of the time. So when you're on the shore of Little Diomede and you look over to Big Diomede, you can't see it because of the fog. It's rare that that fog raises up that you can actually see what's going on. And I find it fascinating that you can stand and say, I'm in America, but then look into Russia. I think I just find that interesting. But here's what I really find interesting. Not only is there an international border that goes right in between these two islands, there is also something called the international date line that goes between these two islands. So if you and I are on the shore of Little Diomede and we look over and try to see Big Diomede, we're not only Sunday here, we're looking into Monday over there. Here's what I want you to think of. On those rare occasions when the fog lifts, you have the opportunity to look from one whole way of living, look into a country that has a whole different way of living. But not only do you look into that country, you're looking into a completely different day. And I want to challenge you and understand that on a clear day, you can see tomorrow, and that needs to be for the church as well. It is so easy as a church to get lost in the fog. We have no idea what needs improved. We have no idea what needs our attention. We just sort of limp along, and we just feel our way and stumble our way through a fog, and we have no idea. God doesn't want us to do stuff that way. 
because he wants to get us enthused and empowered and ready to do ministry in a way that we don't go, oh, do you remember back in uh, 1991? Boy, the church really was good then. Um, uh, you know, when we start, all we, we focus on all the good old days. That's fine. But how about on those clear days? Let's look into tomorrow. What's God calling us to do now and tomorrow? Don't, don't limp along. The only way this church is going to have a miracle is if you step out into the water. Get your feet wet and understand that, yes, it, a lot of times it's foggy. You and I live a challenging life where we have no clear direction. What's God wanting me to do? Why am I having these challenges? Whoever thought that I would get cancer? I mean, we have all these. But let the fog clear. Look at Ephesians 4.4. 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Church of Christ at Hagerstown. As you move forward, remember, on a clear day, you can see tomorrow. Mike, come on up and lead us in our closing. Thank you, Brian. That sounds like hope, doesn't it? On a clear day, we can see what tomorrow might look like. On a clear day, we might have hope for what tomorrow might bring. And sometimes, sometimes it's still a little foggy, and so we want to stay in the boat. But the more that we remember that he's the one who holds us in our hands. He knows our names. And even though our, our hearts might break, even though we have troubles and struggles, he's there with us each step of the way. And so he already knows what tomorrow brings. We just need to step into what he already has for us. Not something that he planned on Friday for us, but something that he planned long before we were even born. That's the way God plans. So he just asks us to trust him. So maybe today, you need to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe today is your day to step across that line and say, I want Jesus as my Savior. And so if that's a decision, if that's where you find yourself today, I would love to have a, take a moment and talk with you in the back. Jim will be here. Mark will be here. Dave will be here as well. We'd love to sit and just be able to have a conversation with you. Maybe, maybe over lasagna or, or stuffed shells or spaghetti or whatever you want. You know, maybe it's just in the back in a, in, a, in a quiet place where we can just kind of have that kind of heart-to-heart conversation about where you might be with Jesus today. Maybe there's another next step that you need to take. Maybe it's saying, you know, I, need to, I need to engage in a, in a personal level and get connected in a group. I, I, you know, we, we have one that meets on Sunday morning. We have one that meet, currently meets on Sunday evening. But maybe we need to have more in other places throughout the week. And maybe, maybe this is that call for you to say, you know, I, I need to start a group here. Maybe I need to ha- have a group uh, at my house or at my work or we figure that out. So I need to be connected with others. Or, or maybe through, that, through the, that group, you're inviting others who maybe don't know Jesus. And you just get an opportunity to tell your story and figure out where they're at and where they're walking and how we can walk together to help others be connected to Jesus. That's our heart here is connect other people to Jesus in any way that we can. And we might, you know, Paul, Paul says in that section, I become all things to all men so that I might win some. So who in your life do you need to help connect to Jesus? 
So if there's a if there's a, a next step you need to make. Maybe you have a conversation with us today. Maybe maybe you're at home, or maybe you're like I, I I'm not ready for the conversation. But I just want you to know you can go on that connection card there at cchmd.com/slash/connect, and underneath the, the name stuff there, there's next steps. You can click whichever box best fits where you are today. So we are glad that you are here, that you have joined us, and I uh, hope that today has been challenging and, and encouraging for you. Uh, as, as soon as we get done here, we'll go next door, and uh, we'll uh, kind of work through all the, 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 the process over there. So if you, if you aren't planning on staying for lunch, uh, we, 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 you can begin to make your way there, and then as those who are going to stay, uh, we, we can go next door and, and get ready to eat, because uh, I, uh, I think we're all getting a little hungry, and I mean, it's... It's, it's drawing close to news. I know it's time when, when, I, when I start wanting to eat on, on Sunday. So uh, let me uh, pray for us, and then uh, we can be dismissed today. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Father, you have called us out of the boat to walk on the water with you. And so, Father, would you help us to have that kind of faith, to be able to throw our feet over the side of the boat and to walk towards you. Father, we would keep our eyes on you that we would remember that you hold us in your hands, that you have tomorrow in your hands, that you have everything under control. And we just need to learn to walk and to trust our steps to you. Father, be with us as we leave this week. May we go and take your love and your grace wherever we go, that we might help others be connected to Jesus, that we can tell our story and we can help others to know Jesus as we do. Father, I pray that we will gather again as soon to be encouraged again by the opening of your word, by, by, by singing songs, by gathering around your table. Father, would you help us in those times in between to walk in your footsteps wherever we go. Lord, we love you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.